Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, we are talking about parenting, especially parenting in those hard moments when the big feelings bubble over, the tantrums. What about timeouts? Gosh, how do we embrace discipline in a way that still leaves us feeling connected to our kids, especially when these tough moments triggers old stuff for us? In today's episode, I invited Mr. Chaz on. Chaz is a TikTok sensation as well as an educational specialist and parenting coach. Wait, how do these things coexist? They do with Chaz. I'm so excited to get a chance to share our conversation with all of you. So let's get to it. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and rested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, Mr. Chaz. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am such a fan of your work, especially on Instagram. That's where I initially found you and connected with you. And I'm really grateful to have a chance to dive into our topic today on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. I'm excited to be here. Also enjoying your content as well. (laughs) Um, So I'm super pumped for this conversation. All right. Well, before we dive in, can you share with the listeners a little bit about your background and your context? So in case they don't already know you, they can get to know you. Yes. So I, kind of how I got to be here, um, I am an educational specialist in a chain of childcare facilities, private schools, um, and I work with eight different schools. And pretty much what I like to say is to explain it to people, two ways that I explain it. One, you know, I teach teachers to teach, um, but also (laughs) another way that I explain it is that, you know, I'm like, if anyone's ever watched the show Scandal before, Uh I felt like the Olivia Pope of, (laughs) you know, the the schools that I work with. Um, Whenever there would be a challenge or something that was difficult for a child, for a teacher, for no director or parent, they would call me in and I would really have to assess the situation, uh, assess what's going on through observations, being in the classroom, interacting, talking to people, um, and then kind of figure out a solution or a, you know, quote unquote, a fix on how to move forward um, in a way where everyone can be successful, the teacher, the child, the parent, the family, the school. Um, Mm. So I got really good at kind of quickly assessing, all right, so this is what, you know, the underlying need is, this is what's happening, um, and then coming up with solutions. And then also being able to kind of come back and see, okay, so how did that work? How has that changed? Is there something else? Is there another piece to this puzzle that we need to add? Um, And then the pandemic happened. All of the teachers 
Um, and uh, most of the kids went home and the parents were with the children, you know, all 24 seven. And I really saw how parents were struggling during this time. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things that they were struggling with, I had answers for. And yeah. I've always just had this intrinsic, you know, purpose, need, drive to, to, to make a positive impact on people, to inspire people. Um, to grow the next generation of humans. Um, Mm. So, you know, even though the situation changed, I still wanted to find a way to really fulfill my why, my purpose. Um, And so that's when I really started to create more content to help, you know, parents and teachers out there because, you know, there were a lot of teachers who were still working through the um, pandemic and were struggling with their different challenges as well. and so that's kind of how we got there. It all blew up. It started on TikTok. It blew up on TikTok. It, it started to blow up on Instagram. Um, I have over, I think, maybe like 170,000 on TikTok. Um, 100,000. You, you can add being a TikTok star to your CV. Like that's, I mean, and you know, what I love about it is you truly are bringing your, your, it's so accessible the way that you are sharing information, um, whether it's just like the daily struggles and the deep struggles, right? And you're making it really accessible. And I love that. And I think that um, the pandemic, I mean, gosh, so devastating in so many ways for so many. Um, but I think that one of the things that has kind of come from it is a lot of these parenting resources that, you know, are oftentimes being, are, you know, for you, like your, your work with these schools, you work with these individual families, um, you know, a lot of therapists that work with families behind closed doors, but all of a sudden they're stepping into this space and offering information at a much larger level, which is making it that much more accessible and kind of demystifying some of these ideas around parenting resources. And so, I'm so grateful to have gotten a chance to connect with your work. Um, I found you on Instagram um, and your your videos, which are so informative, um, but also just so easy to watch and so accessible. So I'm I'm that's I'm so excited for you and for all the parents who are getting to know you and will then also get to know you through this podcast. So one of the things that you said that was just really speaking to my love language. <laughs> I'm a family therapist, so. That means basically that I look at each individual in the context of the systems around them. And absolutely, that's, of course, your family and your family relationships and the family system. But then it also goes to the other systems that you're a part of, such as your school, the school system, the peer systems, your neighborhood and community systems. And I love what you were describing in terms of the work that you do is about going in and seeing how all of these systems are working together and getting on the same page to support to support the child, right? Um, so you're looking at the teachers and their relationship with the students and the t- and the parents, as well as the the parents and their relationship with the school and the kid. Um, so I love that you you're a systems worker. You you work within the systems. I love that. Yeah, and you know I I talk a lot about seeing the child and understanding the child, and I do focus a lot on children because that is you know we adults kind of forget what it's like to be children. Mm -hmm. But I also want to make a point to say that, you know, as I'm going in in these classrooms, as I'm talking to parents, that 
it's not just about what the child needs. It's also about what the adult needs, what's going yes. on with the adult, you know, the, the self-talk, the environment that the adult is in. Um, and something that I was able to really see and identify, um, you know, from the kind of the school's pers- perspective and for parents listening out there, how it's it's really important to pay attention to these kind of things like the culture of a school and the culture that the leadership in the school creates because so often the you know the whoever the leader of the school is whoever the leader is impacts those teachers and how you know they approach their work and you know how they even feel about their work or you know how they respond to a child and a lot of that is created by the culture that the leader creates um Mm. and it is passed down from the leader to the teacher and then to the children um and so it's just Something that, as you're talking about this, it's really important that we are, everyone's needs are important, right? The parents' needs are important. And I always talk about the beauty, the sweet spot is, you know, matching, you know, your needs as a unique individual, your your own person as as a teacher, as a parent, as an adult with what the child's needs are. Um, Mm. And there's, there's, there's a lot of space there for create, for creativity and to do things that aren't necessarily always, you know, conventional. And I think we were talking earlier, I don't think it was necessarily, I don't think it was recording yet, but we were talking about a script and like (laughs) people want the, you know, if you, A plus B is going to equal C 100% of the time. Like you're going to do, if you do, if you do this thing to, you know, with your child, then this is always going to be the outcome. Um, <laughs> but that's not one, that's definitely not always true. Um, mm-hmm. And two, we, you know, when we are just wanting the script, we are doing not only the children a disservice is, you know, meeting them as real people and like yeah. you know, people, but we're also doing ourselves a disservice because it doesn't take into account to, know, how we, you know, taking into account our strengths and, you know, our thoughts, our self-talk, our mental state, our bandwidth um, in the situation, you Mm. know, as well. Oh my gosh. So, so important to take into consideration the whole picture, right? Um, You called it the sweet spot. And yeah, I think that's where the magic happens. But oh my gosh, Mr. Chaz, it can be hard, right? Like I I have families that'll come in and their child is struggling with one thing or another and it's like like can you can you fix this? And mm-hmm. and then when they come in and you know we we explore ways in which together as we can all work as a at the, at the family level, right? Oh, so much stuff can kind of come up in that space and it's it's war it's hard work. But oh my gosh, is it worthwhile and is it that much more meaningful because now when you are working with your child on their behaviors or you're um engaging in these situations with your child, you have so much more understanding for why something might be really triggering for you or why you responded the way that you did and now you want to come back and repair and you actually get why you want to do that. And you have a chance now to actually, you know, 
do that work too, which is going to be that much more meaningful and powerful. Yeah. You know, so I posted a video, I actually just kind of reposted about, um, you know, how to, uh, someone asked me a question and was like, how do I stop my child from running in the street or running? Oh, I saw that. Yeah, Yeah. I saw that one. And, you know, like I, when I was making the video, I was, you know, initially I was like, okay, let me just go ahead and answer question and let me just go I was going to go very direct but I started the video with more of with with the why behind mm. the you know the strategy that I the practical strategy that I was going to provide at the end and you know the beautiful thing about that and under you know me explaining the why and helping people get a, a deeper understanding of why to use this strategy um and why to practice this is that People took it, and yeah, a lot of people used the strategy that I, you know, put in the video, and they said it was really helpful. It was a game changer. But I also got a lot of messages of people kind of remixing the strategy themselves and using it for other things, not just for, you know, crossing, you know, not just for crossing the street or street safety, but for, you know, you know, buckling, you know a buckling and unbuckling your seatbelt for, you know, brushing your teeth for mm-hmm. so many other things, you know, that we encounter, you know, when we're trying to grow and help develop children and we're working with children or just being with children and helping them learn and, and, and we're, we're disciplining them. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And it's so much more empowering when you have, taken the time to really understand your your like your experiences right and like you said your bandwidth and the stuff that you bring into parenting because we all bring our own stuff and experiences and each child is going to have their own unique needs and so if we are equipped with understanding sort of the underlying more deeper components and um patterns and things that are happening in these moments, we're going to be so much more equipped to handle the situation no matter what it is for that unique situation and for our unique child. So you mentioned here the word discipline. I would love to hear how you understand and define discipline. Yeah. So when you think about discipline, right, there are, you know, and you think about people who we would say they have discipline or they have self-discipline, you know, they have really two things. That discipline is predicated off of two things, off of a a reason to be disciplined. They have some reason, some internal drive, some kind of like why something that is meaningful to them, um, that is why they're doing it. And then they also have a process, a how on how they're being disciplined. Um, and that's what we want to, and, and that's, that's really the gift that we're trying to give to children. And a lot of times the misconception with discipline is that it means it's, you know, there's the, there's the line of, you know, uh, discipline is teaching, a disciple is a person who is a receiver of teachings, not a person who's a receiver of behavioral consequences. And when we are, when we think of, you know, things like, like punishment as a part of discipline, then really what we're trying to, 
do here is the, in terms of the reason we're trying to give them a reason not to do something mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to giving them a reason to do something. And usually with the punishments, when we're the one imposing those punishments, the reason not to do the thing is because of us, right? right. <laughs> we're going to punish you. We're going to make you suffer. We're going to make you feel bad, you know, if you do that thing. So we become the reason why you may not be doing the thing. And that doesn't even always work. Um, a lot of times yeah. it doesn't work. Um, but even when it does in the short term work and you get like, ah, you feel all good. Like I disciplined you, I punished you. And now you're not doing the thing that I asked, you know, that I, you know, didn't want you to do. And, but the thing about it is at some point you're not going to be there, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's, you're not there when, you know, they're at school or they're outside, they're playing with their friends or they're hanging out with their friends or they go off to college you know, at some point, you're not going to be there. We can count on that. That So the reason for them to be disciplined, which isn't, isn't self-discipline, it's you as an external, you know, person threatening them to not do something, you know, that that reason gets, complete, gets taken away. And yeah. so now, and that's, you know, we have the, there's the common the common thing that we always hear of the people who were in really strict households, you know, their entire life and they weren't able to do, they were sheltered, whatever, they weren't able to do things, they didn't have any freedom, and then they go to college and they lose their minds and they're not able to handle, <laughs> you know, the freedom or able to, you know, because it's the first time there's that there is no self-discipline. It's only, you know, the the parent or the authority figure who is you know, watching them, which isn't always going to be there. And don't we want people who are intrinsically motivated to yes. you know, do the right thing, to, right. you know, to to be a good person, to be a good friend to their friend, to, um, you know, to work for their goals, not because, you know, your, your parent or authority is going to punish you or ground you if you don't study for your test, but because you... You know, you have a goal that you want to reach, and this is a part of your plan that we've helped, we, you know, we talked to you about, we've helped, you know, this is something that we care about. It's not just our plan that we've given to you of, you know, you're going to be a doctor, or you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, which we have a tendency to put on children. But no, they are intrinsically motivated by doing. And this goes into another whole conversation about leaning into a child's strengths, their interests, as opposed to us putting our own, you know, our own interests or really, or even really trying to meet our needs from the past. Yes. Maybe we didn't have a lot growing up or we didn't have a lot of money or we didn't feel secure growing up because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And if we just would have, you know, you know, gotten straight A's and went to college, then everything would have, you know, turned out better and we didn't do that. So now we're trying to live through or, you know, our children and now you need to be a lawyer so that you don't have to go through what I went through, but that might not be their path. And that might not be what intrinsically motivates them. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the, you know, quarter life crisis, you know, used to just be midlife crisis, but now, you know, <laughs> quarter life crisis, midlife crisis. And a lot of where I think that comes from 
is you know, we spend so much of our lives trying to please other people, trying mm-hmm. not even paying attention to what pleases us, what is in, you know, what we're motivated, what we're motivated by, what, you know, what lights up, lights up our life, what fulfills yeah. us. Um, we don't even think about that be- m- many times um, because mm-hmm. we're so busy trying to just, you know, please whatever authority figures are telling us to do or is the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Can I share a story with you that I think um, it's, it's, I'm going to tie it to like very early on parenting and a recent parenting experience. So, you know, my oldest is nine and, you know, when she, um, you know, people call it the terrible twos, which is awful. It's like, why do we have to assume the twos are terrible? And I was like, her twos were great. And then she turned three and then I learned the term three-nager and I'm like, oh, this resonates. This is, this is a stormy time. And at the time I you know, hadn't necessarily done a ton of work around parenting um, in terms of like reading books. I was a therapist at the time, but, you know, working primarily um, with adults in the peripartum stage of life. And gosh, I remember the first big tantrum. And I remember thinking like, like by tantrum, like her, her feelings, her big feelings bubbled over. Right. But I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this feels really overwhelming to me. I wanted it to stop. And I'm like, well, timeouts, right? Like that's what people do. That's what happened. That's what happened to me when my big feelings bubbled over. And so I put her on timeout and oh my gosh, I remember the whole time just feeling like there's something, there's a little voice in me. There's this little part of me that's like, this doesn't feel right. Like I knew that I felt overwhelmed, right? Like I, these were all, I was getting all the signals that I probably needed a break. Mm-hmm. Um, mama needed a timeout um, and a break, but it didn't feel right. And so I, you know, I talked to my, my partner about it later that night. I'm like, we need to figure out our <laughs> what we're going to do in these moments because it's starting, it's happening, right? Like she, she's not a little baby anymore and she's got these big feelings. And what do we do in these moments where it feels like she's not listening or it feels like she's uh, this whole that there needs to be some sort of discipline and you talked about discipline is you know this idea of supporting a child in being able to self-regulate and being able to um, trust themselves like to turn inward and to be able to understand their feelings and to be able to know how they want to respond when those feelings come up right and we can show up as teachers in um, leaders in that. But I didn't quite know what else to do. And so I started to, I read a bunch of Dan Siegel's books and really resonated with his approach. Um, and I found myself thinking, you know, when she's a teenager and she has, there's something big happening in her life and she's having big feelings about it. Like, do I want her to do what I did, which was just like shut myself in my room and not want to talk about it, right? Like, because that that's kind of what this is similar to, right? It's like you have big feelings when you have those for a timeout, you go, you be by yourself. And like, that's going to somehow magically teach you how to regulate those feelings and how to understand these feelings. And then you're a teenager and when you have those big feelings, all of a sudden I expect you to talk to me, like, of course they're not going to, right? Or potentially not. And the other day we went, we went to the mountains and we went skiing. 
And when I came, it, they, she did a class, like a three-hour class. And I came to pick her up from the class. Um, and the teacher was like, you know, the first two hours she she was like, she was trying really she was trying it and she was right there with us. And then, you know, she came up to me um, for that last hour and said, you know what, this is fun for some, I think, but I just don't think it's my thing. And I want to take a break and sit down. Um, and the teacher said, okay, yeah, sure thing. And there was this first initial feeling I had of like, oh, like I wish that, you know, and it's totally related to old stuff for me of like, you know, going to ski with friends and not being able to ski and <laughs> really wanting her to know how to do this skill. And then there was this part of me that was like, how cool. And I shared this with her later. How cool that there was something inside of her that felt like, huh, this this doesn't really feel like it's for me. I gave it a shot and I think I need to take a break and I'm not really into this right now. So I'm going to communicate that and ask for that break um, and to share that's not for me and that she could trust that within herself. And I was, I ended up feeling an immense amount of pride for her that she was able to do that. Right. And thinking down the line, if she's at a party, you know, five, six years from now, and she feels like, you know what, something inside of me feels like this isn't for me. I want her to be able to trust that, to believe that part of her, right? And to be able to express and communicate that and to say, I'm going to, I think I'm going to head out or this isn't for me. And so, I don't know, it just felt like this moment of like, I think we've Gosh, I'm, I've messed up so many times, Chaz. I apologize on a daily basis to my kids, but it felt like this moment of being like, we've done something right here. And I, I'm so grateful that she has that trust within herself to listen to that part of herself. Um, and yeah, it just, it felt really good that she was able to do that, you know? And I think that if we're putting our kids on, I love to hear your thoughts on timeouts, but we we both decided, my partner and I, that timeouts weren't actually going to be really effective and weren't going to be the approach that we were going to take for our family. Um, and I feel like in some way, the not doing that helped her to be able to trust herself in these moments and to look in and to, to believe herself and trust that part of herself. Do you see a connection there or am I totally making this up? No, that's a beautiful story. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I think there's a connection there, but I think it's less about just one strategy that you yeah. chose to use or not use, but the overall philosophy and approach you took in general. Um, you know, people talk, you know, my thoughts on timeout. This is such a controversial topic. Mm -hmm. uh, probably nothing else that I post about that has, uh, I'm not going to say it. there's probably been some more controversial topics, but yeah, um, this is a classic one. And one of the things here with timeouts is that people on the internet, when they say timeout, they mean, a lot of times they mean different things. Totally. Right? Um, sometimes like some therapists will talk about, you know, timeouts, you know, according to the literature, which is a very specific procedure and process. And there are a variety of different kinds of timeouts that you can use. Uh, but most parents aren't trained in, you know, that procedure. And so when parents are talking about timeout, they're talking about how I think most of us kind of view timeout of just, you know, you did something 
you know, you did not meet my expectations. Yeah. And now as a result, as a consequence, I'm going to send you away in a place by yourself, whether yeah. it be a chair or a corner or a room, and you can't come out until, you know, you're isolated from human connection and love and whatever um, until your emotions go away yeah, and then you can come back and then we can talk. Um, yeah. And that is, so when I'm talking about timeouts, when I say timeouts, you know, that is what I'm referring to. Yeah. And yeah, you know, the, you know, the philosophy or, you know, when we're talking about, you know, discipline is teaching the question I would go back to asking myself, you know, and almost maybe that you asked yourself as you were kind of processing when you gave her the time, I was like, what is she learning in this? Like, yeah, what is she getting out of this? Is she learning about her emotions? Probably not. Is she learning that her, um, you know, that her, she's only acceptable, can only be around people when she's having, you know, acceptable, happy emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe is she learning, you know, like, is she, is she learning that she can't talk to, you know, her caregivers about her feelings? She can't express her feelings. You know, like, yeah. these are the things that we should ask ourselves. So rather than like, you know, if you're, if you are out there and you are doing timeout. Uh, you are using timeouts as you know it's forced isolation, yeah. Um, as a as a consequence for behavior, you know you can't. It doesn't make you a bad mom or yeah. dad or parent or caregiver or guardian or anything or grown up. You know this stuff comes from it's. You know you're probably giving timeouts or no or like maybe like. You, you were spanked as a child and now you think like, I'm giving them a timeout. It's like, I wish I had timeouts when I was a child. Right. And so like for, you know, it's like, you know, I'm I'm really stepping up here with the timeouts, but you can take it a step further, right? I would agree that a timeout, if I had to rank them, right? I would have to say that, uh, you know, spanking, hitting your child for them not meeting your expectations or whatever's happening, you know, hitting, hitting a child in general um, is, you know, potentially, you know, more harmful than a timeout. Um, I would, yeah. I would, I would not recommend if you're like, I'm going to do one or the other and you can't stop <laughs> me. Is it going to be, you know, spank my child and timeout? Do you get to choose? I would choose timeout. But then if it was the choice was, you know, timeout mm-hmm. or true discipline, teaching them, helping them regularly. Yeah you know, projecting safety in that moment. You know, some, some children need a hand on the back and, you know, just maybe, you know, a validation of emotions. Some children need space and yeah. just a projection of safety and allow, allowing them to feel their emotions and just letting them know that, and maybe not even through words, maybe it's just through, cause we communicate so much through yeah. our body language you know, our tones, our facial expressions, even just like a, mm-hmm, even just, you know, we communicate so much. Um, and so projecting safety using our body language, you know, tone, facial expressions in those moments can help. But letting them know that you're there, right? That you're, yeah. that their big feelings aren't so scary to you, right? Or so upsetting to you that you can actually stick around 
in their presence while they're feeling them. And And I, I know that for for me, at that, that that first time I gave her a timeout, and then other times, plenty of other times, gosh, yesterday, right? Like moments of just feeling like I I have um I've done I'm a, I have enough self awareness as I'm a therapist, and I know that like I'm feeling overwhelmed right now, overstimulated. Like I I need to take care of myself. I have an empty bucket, and I'm having a really hard time sitting with my child's big feelings right now, right? And so um, there are moments where it's really difficult to stay present. Uh, but and, and right, and, and in those moments, there are definitely the times when I'm like, I gotta like, like mommy needs a, mommy needs to take a step back, make sure that they're safe, right? And then I need to take a step out or take a step back. I'm giving almost myself some space um, before yeah. I can give them time in, right? And I have to have that sort of self-awareness as well. Yeah, so- you know, it, the children or people who, you know, what helps children learn to self-regulate is when they're young, we co-regulate with them. Yes, you know, yeah. Us, us being there with them and helping them work through and navigate and giving them tools to navigate their emotions, right? And so when we co-regulate with children, then as they grow older, They've had the practice. You kind of worked with them. It's kind of the whole thing of, you know, with the training wheel, with the training wheels, you're, you were right there with them. You're kind of mm-hmm. holding them, holding them, you know, in the beginning. But as they grow and they, you know, practice with you, they're better able to self-regulate. And how mm-hmm. does that show up in parenthood or teacherhood? You know, those moments where you're dysregulated because of, you know, what's happening, negative self-talk, you know, you're frustrated, you're repeating yourself. And so, you know, what helps, you know, you have to be able to self-regulate um, so that you can co-regulate with them. Mm. You know, when they get dysregulated and it just, it throws us off balance and we get dysregulated and then we allow that to just, we just, 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 run with the wave of emotions without being aware and self-regulating, pausing, breathing, you know, you know, doing our mantras, you know, and then we just, we add to the dysregulation and it becomes a cycle and we are in our amygdalas just, you know, eventually just in fight or flight and just fighting each other. And that's when situations escalate and escalate and escalate. And, you know, there's more and more, you know, divisiveness. You can't guide them or teach them in those moments or in those states. Um, And if it's like that all the time, especially as they grow, you won't be able to guide them at all because they will have learned over time that, you know, you're not someone who sees me, understands me, who can, you know, you know, help me with my emotions, who even maybe doesn't care about my emotions um, because every time I have an emotion, you know, it is, you, you know, I, you, you yell at me or, or punish me for it. And I get it, you know, it can be really triggering when a, a, a child says something in a way that we would not prefer. And I think a big part of it comes from our, like, you know, self-talk and beliefs about like, you know, disrespect, you know, when a, when a child's emotional and they say something, 
right? Yeah. And our first thing is, you know, not thinking about their truth and their experience and where that's coming from. You know, a lot of times we'll immediately go to, don't talk to me like that. You know, mm-hmm. when the way that the child is, is, is expressing their emotions likely isn't really the problem here. There's probably, there's a deeper problem and sure you can choose. And and I think there is definitely time to talk about tone and tact and how they articulate, you know, their emotions. There's definitely time for that, but probably not in the heat of the moment when they are, when that outburst of emotion is really a cry for help because really that's us hanging up on them or you know as they cry for help we're maybe we're picking up and we're yelling we're yelling at them causing them to cry more um as opposed to answering that distress call hearing them out and helping them work through once we hear like where you know they're actually coming from and actually really we're really seeing them we're open to that then we can help them work through that um, yeah. And we can all oh, there's there's so many other opportunities to practice about to talk about and to practice how we get our needs met, how we ask for things, how we advocate for ourselves. Um, but it's probably not the time when they're when mm-hmm. they're in distress. Like imagine, so I know I've been talking for a little while, but imagine you you're at work, right, and. Yeah you have a grievance. Maybe you felt like someone was harassing you or not treating you fairly, or, you know, you felt really offended or, you know, well, you disrespect it because that's, you know, where that triggers us a lot. And so you go, you know, to HR and, you know, it just happened and, you know, you're really upset and, you know, you're like, so-and-so has been picking on me since, you know, the time I've been here, they've said this, they said that, they said this. And then the response is, okay, you're, you know, the response to HR it, from HR just, okay, you are, I don't like the way that you said that. So I'm going to dismiss your claim. Right? <laughs> yeah. That How would we- not feel good. That wouldn't go over well. No. <laughs> right. We probably, we would, we probably wouldn't be staying at that job for much longer. Now, you know, children don't really have that, uh, you know, the luxury to parents or environments that they're in, not even if it's just, you know, teachers or, you know, schools, um, you know, they don't, you know, we're, we're, we're all they got, right. They don't have that power in their lives that we would have to, all right, I don't like the environment and the culture of this, you know, company and the way that you treat your people, you you know, so I'm going to look elsewhere. Children don't have that power, right? Mm. Um, Yeah. No, it's, you're so right. And I think that, you know, as you were talking, there were two things that were coming to mind. One, it was, you know, as an adult, would I want someone to talk to me and, and treat me that way? Um, my dog is joining us. You could probably hear him walking to us, walking towards <laughs> us right now. <laughs> All right, buddy, you can sit on my lap. Um, and then two is, gosh, when I really let myself go back to what it felt like to be a child, right? Like what it feels like when there's so many areas of your life where you don't get to decide, right? Like you don't have that power to to change a situation, right? And other people are making lots of decisions all day for you of what you do next and then and when you have to stop. And gosh, when I really let myself go back to 
connecting with being that old and how it felt to be a child, it's really frustrating, you know? And But also when I get a chance to do that, when I slow down, I'm regulated enough to actually remember what that feels like. Oh gosh, it's I'm in such a better space to actually connect with my kids in these experiences that they're having um, rather than just continuously being frustrated with that they're not complying, you know? Um, but it can be hard to go back to reflect on these things. And you, sh- you shared earlier about spanking and timeouts. And um, I, d- I don't remember my dad spanking me, but he often tells a story of like the first time that he spanked me very young because that's how he was disciplined and then how that did not feel right. And so then, you know, that then they, d- they decided, well, well, what's, well, what's a better option? And, and timeouts at the time, I think were very much, very popular. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, we're not going to spank and we're going to do timeouts. And that felt good for them, a better step. Right. Um, and, and, and now I think for me, we initially were trying timeouts and it just did not feel like the right fit it didn't feel good either, you know? And so now we're trying to do something different. And I think that's kind of how over generations we yes. start to break some of these generational patterns, right? And we try to do things differently, but how easy it is to just do what your parents did or to just feel like, okay, well, I don't want to do what my parents did, but I having my parenting plan being just not to do what they did doesn't yes. feel very like uh, intentional. And it can be really difficult to know, well, what do I do then when these moments happen and they feel really dysregulating or they feel really hard? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the same problem of just like, okay, like I know I don't want to be my parents. Um, that's the problem with the negatives that's the problem with like the the negative in general the punishments and even the overusing of no stop don't because what it is it's like it could be like a stop sign so yeah you might like okay i don't want to do that but at some point you're gonna have to keep on moving and you have no direction on where to go Right. And so like I brought up briefly, just so, you know, people have a little bit of, you know, context. What I mean for the no stop don't is because I think that most, I would probably most people overuse that phrase with children. Um, And, you know, it doesn't really tell them, you know, I talk about telling children what to do instead of what not to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And because like, let's say they're running and you say, you know, stop running. Then even if they stop, now they have they have no other way. They don't know what else to do. Right. And meanwhile, their body, they still have this underlying need for physical activity. So you say, you know, stop running, maybe they stop, but then they start up again a couple seconds later because their body's still telling them, you know, they have this need for physical activity as opposed to identifying the need, really seeing the child and really seeing, Oh, he has, I see you have an, you know, you have a lot of energy. You're, you know, seeing their need for physical activity and then, telling them what to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be a dance party, whether, you know, they're rolling around on some mats or an old or jumping on an old mattress or your little trampoline you brought from you bought from quarantine or you know, or making an obstacle course or whatever works for your household at that time, you know, in that moment and you can, you know, some of these things they're definitely going to be reoccurring, but as you are identifying what their need is 
and giving them tools. Just like you as a parent, you don't just need to know that like, okay, don't spank or don't do timeouts. You need to know what to do instead. All yeah. right, so what do I do when they're having, you know, there's a temper tantrum in the middle of the story. Okay, so what do I do when, you know, uh, you know, they're having a meltdown and, you know, I'm dysregulated and, you know, like we need to know what to do. Um, and so, you know, that is the, you know, that's just something to think about for ourselves. Right. You know, maybe short, a good first step is saying, okay, I don't want to do it like my parents did it before. Yeah. All right, cool. That that's that's your stop sign to get out your GPS and figure out what direction you do actually want to go to. So I actually mm-hmm. tell whenever I do coaching sessions, so I do I do offer one-on-one coaching um, through uh, my Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. And um, the one of the first questions I ask is, now tell me about the kind of parent you want to be and the impact that you want it to have on your child. And one of the reasons I do that is just so that you know we're all on the same page about what direction we want to go here. Yeah. Um, so then I can help you. I can give you those specific GPS directions of the you know turn left when you get to this sign, turn right when you get here. But I also kind of know you know where you're at too. So. Um, I love this. I love the GPS idea. I use that often um, when I'm talking sort of metaphor, when I'm talking metaphors of making decisions, because oftentimes, you know, it's like you're, if you're in a car and you're, you know, we're speaking, talking about GPS here, you're in the car and, you know, you have a, there's a tough moment with your child. It's so easy for some of those backseat passengers, such as anger, frustration, right? Um, And then even guilt and shame, um, fear, all of these things to pop up in the back and to sometimes jump in the driver's seat, right? Where we feel kind of driven by anger. We feel like driven by anxiety and fear. Um, But if we're not going to do that, if we're going to do the work to develop a new relationship with these parts of ourselves where we know that they're coming along, right? They're going to pop up, but we're going to do our best to be able to regulate in these moments so that we can co-regulate and we stay in the driver's seat, then how do we know what to do next? And I'll oftentimes talk about doing the work of identifying your values as a parent and then going beyond just identifying what your values are, right, so that you can stay in alignment with those values. But then how are we defining these values? And then I think that's where doing the work like you're describing here of doing of working with a coach, a parent coach, um, taking a parenting course, reading a book, right, working with a therapist can support you in then defining what you mean by these values. Like how does this actually show up in these moments with your children based off of their needs, right? And your unique child, but also taking into consideration your own context, right? And the things that get triggered for you and come up for you and really being able to understand these things. You're going to go into these parenting moments so much more informed and empowered. Um, So I love that you're using this GPS idea here because I oftentimes will use this with clients in the context of, all right, you're in the car and all these emotions are coming along for the ride because you're human. We are wired for these emotions. But if you want to stay in the driver's seat, Let's turn to the GPS, which oftentimes can be initially exploring what is it that you really value as a parent? And I think that you kind of are touching on this here when you're exploring who do you want to be as a parent, right? 
What do you really feel connected to and aligned with? And how do you want to show up? Um, how, what kind of relationship, what kind of quality of relationship do you want to have and be in with your kids? Um, and so I love, I love that idea of the GPS. And I think that a lot of times parents need some support to do the work to understand their GPS and what the compass is going to be so that they know which direction to go based on the, their unique situation. Um, and I'll be sure to, to link your resources here in the show notes for any of our listeners that are, that are listening and, and, and feeling connected to these ideas right now. Yeah. You know, and actually have, you know, I'm going to throw one more metaphor out there. And I thought about it a little earlier. Um, and I don't know if this is the last one. I say one more, but I have so many. Um, but I think about it when we were talking about breaking cycle, how like your parents, you know, they, you know, they started with spanking and then they moved to timeouts and yeah. then you, you know, decided timeouts weren't for you. You know, I look at it like every generation of, you know, every generation we have an opportunity to in, to improve upon what, you know, upon the previous generation. And, you know, that was a really good example, but I, I think of it like, you know, the first iPhone, right? And so like, mm-hmm. yeah, when the first iPhone came out, you know, it was the bee's knees. Like it was the best <laughs> thing out. And I mean, for your parents, like that was like timeouts during the time, like, that was the best thing. Like, wow, like you're not going to, you know, hit your child. Like, that's amazing. Like how, like, you, you, you know, that's, you know, how do you, how do you do it? Right. That's the first iPhone, right. Maybe a first leap in innovation. And then, and now, you know, you decided like, okay, well, I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to build (laughs) off of what, you know, my, the generation before already, um, kind of built off of and we continue to improve 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 upon generation generation and it's not going to stop with us right oh, you know yeah. there will be things you know in the next generation i'm kind of already like looking at it and it's been really interesting to be on tiktok where there's been there are a lot of i know everyone thinks that like tiktok is for like teenagers who dance you know but it's so much more than that right uh, but you know there are there is a younger population there too. I will agree that there's a younger population there and they'll show up in the comment section and, you know, and, and it's been, and then I think that does influence the culture of some parts of, of TikTok that I've been able to observe. And I'm kind of looking at not just kind of the generation of stuff that were the cycles that we're breaking right now, kind of as a whole, mm-hmm. like the millennial parent, but I'm also looking at the cycles that, you know, that Gen Z is going, going to want to break. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a lot of the psychological, mental and emotional stuff that I think, you know, they're going to grow up that I, I think us as, you know, as millennial parents and, 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 and older that we as a whole haven't really fully gotten yet. Like we're still practicing, we're still improving and still improving. Um, and, you know, it's not about being perfect, right? The goal isn't to be perfect every yeah. day. Don't be a perfectionist. I say that all the time. Don't be a perfectionist. Be an improvenist. The goal isn't to be perfect every day. The goal is to improve a little every day. Um, and so it's just, it's it's really interesting to watch and really interesting to think about. And um, I'm just really happy to be in this space and to help parents really think through 
the breaking these generational cycles um, and becoming even, and sometimes even becoming aware of them. Yeah. Oh, I think that insight can be so empowering, right? To just to be, to do the work of being able to have that sort of awareness of in these moments, and when I'm I'm feeling dysregulated, and I my child is dysregulated, and we're really struggling to find that space of co-regulation. Like, what's going on for me? And I think that that insight and doing that work. Um, which you were talking, you touched on throughout this conversation of how important it is as a parent to to honor your needs, right? And the things that um, that you, that might be getting triggered for you in these moments as well. How important that is. So, Mr. Chaz, I wonder if you could offer before we wrap up here. We've talked here now about co-regulation and how that can be such an important foundation for future self-regulation, right? For your child to be able to self-regulate. Let's paint a picture here. I have a toddler and my toddler is, you know, their big feelings have bubbled over and I'm feeling dysregulated in that moment, overwhelmed, overstimulated. Um, Maybe, you know, I just got an email from my boss and it really upset me. And at that same moment, I stepped on a Lego and that same moment, my child is, you know, yelling for something that's ridiculous, right? Okay. There's the picture. (laughs) And in this moment, what is something that I can do in that moment in, 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 the, in the efforts of regulation and self-regulation to be able to re- regulate in that moment to support my child? Like in this moment, it's happening. I'm kind of in that like fiery, seeing red, fight or flight moment, stress responses revved up. What can I do? Yes. So first thing is actually support yourself. To yeah. pause, starting with pausing so that you can take at least a moment, you know, or whatever time you need to support yourself. Power um, of the pause, so powerful, right? Right. Yeah. right. And then you want to, you know, you want to do some breathing. And I encourage people to kind of figure out exactly what works, you know, best for them in the moment. Breathing biologically just it just helps to regulate our nervous system. So that's the first thing I would suggest doing. Maybe even taking a moment, um, you know, if you know, counting to ten or counting down from ten as you breathe for ten seconds, um, just so that you can get regulated, so that you're not just reacting, so that you can respond to the situation as opposed to just reacting emotionally to the Lego on your foot, to the email from your boss, from you know your child, you know, trying to advocate for a need that they don't know how to advocate for and they don't know how to meet. Um, and so first you have to pause, breathe, maybe, maybe, maybe drink a little bit of water. Um, <laughs> and even in that moment, in that time, even in that 10 seconds, you can be talking to yourself and, you know, telling yourself, you know, giving yourself positive self-talk because mm. what's likely happening is a lot of negative in between. Like it's, when you've got that email, you got the negative self-talk from the, you know, your subconscious telling you that, you know, you're not good enough at your job or you're not pulling enough weight. And, you know, people are going to judge you for not, you know, getting this in on time, you know, you know, right now, even though it's, you know, after work hours, those things are, you know, that's a message that might be 
you might be telling yourself in the moment. You know, the yeah. Lego that you stepped on, you know, might be, you know, you're telling yourself like, oh, like, I can never get anything done in this house. Like I'm, I, mm. you know, I'm a mess. This house isn't like, I'm a mess. And that's why yeah. the Lego is on the ground. And because I don't know how to do, cause I'm a bad mom. And that's why my, you know, or I'm a bad dad or I'm a bad parent or I'm a bad teacher. And that's why this child is the screaming for, you know, a need that they don't know how to meet. Um, and all yeah. these negative messages are just flooding our bodies even really, cause it's, it's, it's more than just our head. They, it's our bodies because it, it triggers these physical feelings throughout, you know, will get washed over with emotions and start to sweat yeah. and get red. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, the feeling like, you know, the overwhelming. I do. Yeah. So in that moment when you're breathing and you're pausing, telling yourself, you know, your child, instead of, you know, my child's just trying to get on my nerves. Maybe you're saying instead, you know, my child's having a hard time, you know, they're not trying to give me a hard time. They're having a hard time instead yeah. of, you know, saying that I'm, you know, not going to get the promotion at work. Or I'm not going to, I'm not good enough at work. Telling yourself that you are enough and allowing yourself to have boundaries mm. with, with work. And when you look at emails and like, okay, look, I can, that can wait until tomorrow, right? Yeah. It can wait until tomorrow. Um, the Lego, like, you know, there's mess, messes happen. You know, there's always an opportunity to clean up. You know, I'm I'm not perfect. You know, life isn't perfect. Mm. You know, the floor isn't perfect. And that's okay, right? Yeah. Giving ourselves these messages. And it's really important. You know, I, I said a lot there to practice practice these message, these messages because you know what have what messages have been practiced throughout mm. your life? Mm-hmm. Those shame messages. That yeah. And I alluded earlier to like I think that. Gen Z is going to like, like when they become parents, they're going to be a different thing. I think shame is going to be a really big thing, kind of more. Maybe we're right now we're talking more about like, maybe we're, we're our, our generation. We're, our big debate is about timeouts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the next generation, there's going to be even a larger conversation about shame and the way that we, the phrases and the way that we talk and respond and co-regulate with our child. Um, and so, but for the picture, pause, water, breathe, positive self-talk, practice mantras, and then respond, right? Mm. And even in the response, it is, you know, for your, your child, the response is, okay, you're putting on your curiosity glasses, you're trying, you're, you're, you're looking at the behavior, behaviors communication, what is this behavior communicating? What untaught what untaught skill am I seeing here? What you know underlying need is being expressed here? And let me look at it from from this lens. Child's not giving you a hard time; they're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. What are they having a hard time with? They're having a hard time with waiting with something they really want. They're having a hard time with you know a boundary that you you know are setting, and they're having a hard time you know grappling with the no no is it the the very 
we always say like attention seeking behaviors, but reframing it to connection seeking behaviors. Are they wanting connection? Like we all want connection, right? Yeah. And so like a lot of times we'll talk about it in a very dismissive way. God, you just want attention. And we're like, yeah, you just want connection. Yeah, we all want connection. <laughs> and, you know, this child who's only had maybe, you know, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 48 months of experience on the world. And especially if you have like a, you know, we're calling them pandemic babies, right? Yeah. And they've only had, you know, connection for most or all of their lives with, you know, just a few, a, a few people. You've been the only person they can lean on for that mm. real human need of connection. Then like, yeah, that's going to be strong. And and that doesn't, and again, that doesn't take away your need to, you know, for you to have space, your need to, you know, be your own person and to, you know, maybe even, you know, you know to get the house clean um, on, on some kind of timeline, or, you know, your need to have some alone time with your partner or maybe with your friends, those, both of those needs are very real. And like yeah. I said, in the beginning, it's about figuring out how to match both of those things. It's the marriage of the two, the mm. marriage of your needs as an adult, as a, as a parent, as a teacher, um, as a caregiver, and the needs of your child as their own unique individual being with their mm. own, you know, with, with, with their own mind and, and soul and, and footprint in the world. Oh, I love this. I love that you're t- talking about here. We're getting to a place of curiosity, but before we can get even to that space of curiosity, because curiosity is so powerful in these moments for both our own needs and our child's needs. But in order to get there, we first have to, to regulate. And you're talking here about the power of pausing creating some space between yourself and that part of you that just wants to jump in the driver's seat, right? Um, That reactivity, breathing, water, which is helping us create more of that space so that we can turn down the volume on that fight or flight stress response and get back into that space of that that other system in our body, which is more about you know, rest and connect. Um, and it's, it's such a, it's such a better space to be able to embrace curiosity once we get there. So thank you so much, Mr. Chaz, for coming on. This was such a powerful conversation and there was so much in here that you shared. So grateful. Where can people find you if after listening, they want a chance to connect more with your work? I know you mentioned the Patreon, um, where else can people find you? You can find me on uh, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and it's Mr. Chaz pretty much across the board. On Instagram, it's just Mr. Chaz, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. On TikTok, it's Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz. On uh, Facebook, it's Mr. Chaz, space Mr. Chaz. Um, And on LinkedIn, it's Mr. Chaz, and those are the places that you can find me. And again, the Patreon is www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. Get access to one-on-one coaching in the weekly conversations that I have with other you know, experts in the field. And you get to ask your very own questions. So those are the places that you can follow. Oh, and then of course, 
You can find me on my podcast. Yeah. Jazz's Leadership, Parenting, and Teaching Podcast. Um, since if you're out here listening to this podcast, I assume you listen to podcasts. Yep. Where you can find me right now. Wonderful. I will be sure to include links to all of these resources and ways to connect with you in the show notes. Mr. Chaz, thank you so much again for coming on. This has been such a joy to connect with you in this way, and I can't wait to share our conversation with all the podcast listeners. Thank you. Great. No problem. It was a joy being here, and I'll see you on Instagram. The Gram. The Gram. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.